strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Are fresh off the very first day of Cards Camp. And what do players like to do? They like to compare the first day of camp to everybody now, the first day of school, Christian Kirk, yesterday. Wolf, whether you realize it or not, you were the epitome of the first day of school today. What are you talking about, Paul? Basinonians, let me paint you a picture. Little Ronnie Wolfley over there. Ronnie Paul Wolfley on the sideline. He's got his preppy collared shirt. It's all pressed nice. He's got his dress shorts on. None of the traditional camo for Cardinals camp. Nope, it's the first day of camp. His hair, it's slicked back. He's clean shaven. He's clutching his laminated roster card. Not just a roster, but laminated. His eyes are bright. They're wide open. He's taking note of personnel groups. He's he's raising his hand to call out formations. I mean, Wolf. The only thing missing, and maybe I missed it. Did you bring a shiny new fresh apple for the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury? (laughs) I did not, Paulie, and nobody calls me Ronnie Paul. (laughs) Except Hoopy. Yeah, except Hoopy, my mom, of course. That's right. That's right. Nobody, Paul, not you. That's for sure. What are you talking about the apple? Why are you talking about this? Well, Wolf, I mean, you were really... um, you were attentive. You were, you know, you even forgot to bring snacks today. You were so into football, you forgot your snacks. You and know what, so, honestly, I did like the laminated roster. That was very, very cool because yeah. it was broken down by position. Did you notice that, Polly? All the running that. backs were actually yep. together, right? All the offensive linemen were together. All the wide receivers. It was like looking at a roster based on the different rooms, the, the position rooms on the team. I love that. It was beautiful. It's like the way a GM would look at the roster. That's, That's what, exactly yeah. right, Paulie. Yep. And, and the fact you were looking at it with your readers, you actually remembered your readers, <laughs> was another indication. Boom, Ron Wolfley, you were mentally ready to go today. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford and Wolf. Just like those guys who are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this coming weekend, uh, we might have to put you on a time limit. Okay, there are speech limits this year, six minutes by the eight-minute mark. You're going to get ushered off the stage with the Academy Award-like orchestra music. So um, you might have to just, you know, make it tight, make it brief today because we have Malcolm Butler, Cardinal starting corner, CB1 coming up around the corner. You want to talk about an alpha dog, Polly, right there, Malcolm Butler once again. Listen, is he Malcolm Butler of of year number two, number three, number four when he was young? No, he's getting a little long in the tooth, but I can tell you right now, what he has done is use technique. He has, to me, some of the best techniques, some of the best hands that you could possibly want as a corner. It's one of the reasons 
reasons why he's had the kind of success that he's had in the National Football League. Last year was a bit of a downer, and then he got stronger as the year went along the second half of the season. I think Malcolm Butler was playing like Malcolm Butler. I expect him to come in here and be a starting corner for the Arizona Cardinals, and I mean make a difference, Paul. Would you say that just based on today, and we can't get into specifics exactly, but would you say Robert Alford, speaking of corner, made an impression today? Yes. How about A.J. Green? Would you say he showed up? There's no doubt about it, Paulie. A.J. Green. I, I, I was, there was only one other guy that impressed me more than mm. A.J. Green. Okay. And that was Chandler Jones. <laughs> Did you see Chan? Did you see, Chad? Because I'm telling you right now, when that portion of practice that we can report on, that we were watching, did you see Chandler Jones, Paul? It's it's what I didn't see at Chandler Jones. I didn't <laughs> I didn't see a 280 pound Chandler Jones. Oh uh, no, I'm talking svelte like I've never seen him svelte. That's that's intriguing. There, there's because yes. the Arizona Cardinals finished fourth in the NFL with 48 sacks a year ago, minus Chandler Jones. Yep. So. If all of a sudden he's back to the form of his 19-sack season or his 17-sack season, which he's just removed from those years, then look out. So, yeah, Chandler Jones, okay. Uh, By the way, Chandler obviously did report he was there for the run test. Same with Jordan Hicks. So that was some of the initial headlines on the conditioning test day yesterday. Then today, Chandler Jones' running mate, J.J. Watt, was not out on the practice field. And after practice, we learned that he tweaked his hamstring. He called it a little soreness, and he didn't practice today. He's not going to practice tomorrow, and it turns out he eventually ultimately went on the active pup list, the same list that has Dennis Gardak, and so he can't practice until he comes off that list, J.J. Watt. Okay, that really is a bummer right there because, honestly, hopefully this is just a little strain. He'll get over this quickly. It won't linger into training camp whatsoever, and sometimes, Paulie, that's exactly what happens especially with some of the older guys. If you pull a muscle, that thing will linger from time to time, and hopefully this thing doesn't get tweaked again or get worse as the preseason unfolds right here. Now listen, it's not critical that J.J. Watt goes out there and is ready to practice and play on Monday when they put the pads on and go out and actually start trying to drive somebody into the ground. If he's not there on Monday, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to get all worked up about it. This is something that happens to guys that from time to time get a little bit older in their career. They're more susceptible to a muscle pull and then trying to get it right, it takes a little bit more time. Now now, again, I don't know anything about the severity of this pull, of this pull, but Paulie, I'm not concerned about it. I really am not. It's July 28th. Yes. So, with that in mind, the opener isn't until September 12th. You have 32-year-old J.J. Watt, three-time NFL defensive player of the year, so he knows his body. He's going to take his time. If he misses some time at this point in the season, who cares? Just got to make sure he's right for week one. As the Cardinals pick up from last season, and I bring that up because – That was a talking point the last two days with Cliff Kingsbury, especially on the heels of what Chase Edmonds had to say. And now the Cardinals, one of the big keys to this season, in the opinion of the Cardinals running back, is to adjust to what they saw midway through last season. And the finish was, well, reflective of some of the struggles the Cardinals had on offense. They started 6-3, and they lost five of the last seven, and Cliff Kingsbury was asked about 2020. 
nobody was happy with how that ended. It's just an abrupt end. You don't expect it to happen, and then you kind of go your own way. And, and so we've definitely addressed it um, in the team meeting, and, and uh, there's a lot of new faces that, that weren't around for it, but they understand how it happened and what it looked like, and, and uh, there's a lot of highly motivated players. Yeah, suffice it to say, that was part of his initial address to the team, talking about the finish of last season. And, and Wolf, how would you diagnose that? When people ask you about that, the start mm-hmm. and then the finish, the before and the after, what do you tell them? You know what, Paulie? Honestly, I just think the Arizona Cardinals became a little bit, I don't want to say cocky in any way, shape, or form, but I think they, they became a little bit too predictable in what it was that they were going to do. I think it was a situation where they like to throw the ball an awful lot. They use Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray running the ball an awful lot. This is something that I think they've got to adjust their offense around, Bully. I don't think you can make Kyler Murray the central figure of your offense. And when I say that, I'm talking about, obviously, a quarterback, his job is to throw the ball. That's what his job is. His job is to scramble and use his legs to extend plays and make plays. There's no doubt about that, and even run in some situations. But if you're going to build your rushing attack around your quarterback running the ball, in order to be successful uh, successful running the ball, you've got to have your quarterback running the ball. I, I just don't think, Paulie, that is something that is going to be repeatable in the National Football League. I think at some point in time, Paulie, it's got to be about your offensive line and your running backs running the ball. Sometimes, Paulie, you just got to line up, and as you've heard me say all offseason, sometimes you got to line up and just be better than the dude across from you. You know, we talked about it in December, did we not, the final month of the season, and it was adjust to the adjustment whatever defensive coordinators did to nullify Kyler Murray. Through the first nine games of last season, he had 27 offensive touchdowns. That's either throwing it or running for it. And over the last seven games, he had only 10. Now, in between there, he had the shoulder injury. There's Mm -hmm. no doubt about that. And, And Cliff Kingsbury mentioned that. And there's still been no real mention as to the severity. It was a factor. We don't know how big. But there's no doubt about it. When when you have Chase Edmonds at the podium yesterday, and he says, and I quote, we put it on ourselves, we folded, point blank, period, we have to be better. And then he wow. talks about the offensive identity that they have to find to start this season, how they struggled the second half of last season, how they got certain looks and teams took away their primary identity, and they, they didn't adapt. We've talked about it, Wolf, how many times yes. in the offseason? The two high safeties, zone coverage underneath, and they challenged the Cardinals that way. Yeah, run the ball. That's what they did. They challenged them to run the ball. Look at Cliff Kingsbury is a smart guy, as you well know, Polly. He's also a humble guy. But this is a return, I think, a return of this offense hitting the reset button overall. Cliff Kingsbury's got to lead the way in regard to just saying, hey, sometimes, sometimes, boys, you got to just be better than the dude across from you. And that means you've got to run plays where the defense knows what's coming, Bully. You know what's coming. The defense knows what's coming. Everybody knows what's coming. But try to stop it now. You try to stop it now, even though you know what's coming. 
team after team after team, they do this, especially in the NFC. When you think of the Green Bay Packers, this is what they do. When you think of the Tennessee Titans, this is what they do. Everyone knows, here comes Derrick Henry. Here comes Derrick Henry on the tackle zone. Here comes Derrick Henry on the 22 and 23 double. Here comes Derrick Henry downhill. Tampa Bay, you play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you better believe here comes 22 and 23 double. The power without the pull. And then they're going to use what? Play action to throw the ball. Everybody knows it. It's something altogether different to try to stop it. And I think this is where the the offense for the Arizona Cardinals can really grow is just, hey, listen, you know what? Line up and just be better than somebody. You know, we'll get into this a little bit later because Malcolm Butler's around the corner. We'll talk more about the Cardinals offense, an offense that, well, it featured DeAndre Hopkins to the point where he had a larger percentage of a team's receiving yards than any other receiver in the league. Mm. Do you also know, Wolf, that the Cardinals, in terms of pre-snap motion, ranked dead last last year? Yes, Paul. The 49ers were first with the Ravens 70% of their snaps compared to the Cardinals 33.5%. So Yes, Paulie. You wonder how the keyword is evolved and what's that going to look like? We'll hear from Malcolm Butler next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. The ball is at the Patriot one. The quarterback Wilson is in the shotgun formation. Lynch will flank into his left. Two wide to the near side, one to the far. In the shotgun, there's the snap, it's built high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line! It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler! Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson at the goal line! 20 seconds left! Butler does an unbelievable job getting inside, and I'm surprised that Russell Wilson threw it here. Butler read the play perfectly, went behind the pick, and ran right to where the slant was going to be thrown. So, Wolf, if we will never forget that Super Bowl winning pick and we're reminded of it every time we walk onto the field through that south end zone. Yes. Then how do you think the person responsible for it? (laughs) How do you think he feels? How do you think he reacts? Because you know what? Right here, right now in the Big Red Rage, you have a chance to ask that person because Malcolm Butler joins us, Cardinals' newest cornerback, and yes, the author of that Super Bowl ceiling interception. Malcolm, how are we doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Matt, we're doing great, Malcolm. Thank you so much for joining us right now. So have you had that moment? (laughs) Have you had that opportunity to kind of revisit the spot on the field where you made one of the most incredible plays of Super Bowl history? Um, no, I haven't. But, you know, when I walked in the stadium yesterday, you know, we had walked through. Um, I don't know how they got the, the field set up, but I, I couldn't get to the spot. But once the, everything get back flat and back to normal, I'm going to go sit on that spot. <laughs> you know, I did an interview in Seattle about the NFC West a couple of days ago, and, and they talked about the Cardinals a lot, obviously, asking my opinion, et cetera, and they asked about Pat P. leaving. And, the, and then they said, wait a minute, the guy replaced him as Malcolm Butler. We don't talk about Malcolm <laughs> Butler in Seattle. So have you ever been back to Seattle? And, and how do you think you'd be treated if you were spotted on the streets? Um, no, I never – actually, I never played in Seattle. And um, I don't think there will be a big fan of me. <laughs> But uh, at the same time, man, it's the game of football. Everyone should, you know, love the sport. It's competitive. It don't always go our way. And, yeah, we got our own opinions. Malcolm, I have to ask you about that play quickly because it was truly one of the most incredible plays I've ever seen. What tipped you off on that? What, What gave you the idea to jump that route? 
Well, um, you know, obviously we went over it uh, at practice, and you know, once they got in the formation, you know, it looked familiar um, to me. And um, you know, as a as a uh, high school player, I always you know looked at the running back and you know see which look at his eyes and see which way he was going. But in that situation, I didn't think they was running the ball, so I looked at the quarterback and just see what he was eyeing and what he was looking at and. You know, uh, you usually don't run stacks on the two-yard line. And and I just told myself, if this wide receiver step to the right, I'm breaking it in. And that's what he did. <laughs> Were you a rookie? Was that your rookie year? Yes, sir. I was a rookie. So think about that. An undrafted guy out of West Alabama. And you're making a Super Bowl winning play. Just that one snap, that one play, how do you think that's changed your life? Uh, it, it changed my life a lot, man. Uh, it brought a lot of pressure to me. Um, I think I, I handled it well. You know, I wouldn't be playing in the NFL mm-hmm. for eight years if I didn't handle it well. Um, you know, things changed, man. You know, I became a, you know, a household name. You know, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, um, you know, just got to keep your head down working. And, you know, it made me feel make me feel good, man. I, You know, I was a celebrity overnight, well-known, you know. Uh, a lot of things changed, man. So here you are, Malcolm, your first training camp, of course, as an Arizona Cardinal. Talk to me about where your thoughts are now. Where, where, how's it going for you so far, and how much are you anticipating this season? Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm learning the, pe- the playbook, you know, getting to know my teammates, um, you know, trying to lead by example and not by talking all the time, you know. Uh, I hear hustling to the ball, you know, studying, them, studying my playbook, you know, encouraging the young guys to make plays and, you know, fight their way on the roster. You know, just like I did. And, um, you know, I got big expectations for for the Arizona Cardinals this year. Uh, we just got to play as a team, um, you know, play as a team and, you know, work hard and grind, man, and, you know, be together. And uh, it won't be perfect, but if you put your heart and soul into it, man, it should work out your way. It's all about you. Malcolm Butler presented by Santan Ford. It is the Big Red Rage. What do you think Vance Joseph – and the defensive coaches have learned about you and your game so far. Um, you know, I I know they, I think they well, I know they know I like to tackle. You know, I like to cover. You know, I I like to do anything to help the team win. You know, it, it it's it's not too many things I won't do on the field to help the team win. And you know, they know I'm a competitor. Um, yeah, I, that sums it up right there, man. I want to win. Malcolm, um, your coaches call you a dog. Your teammates call you a dog. Scouts call you a dog. You are, without a doubt, an alpha dog. Where does that come from? Oh, man, it comes from, you know, playing one-year high school football, um, going to um, JUCO, um, you know, going to the New England Patriots, um, Making a tryout out of forty people, two out of forty people, and mm. you know, it's, I'm just, I'm just an underdog, man. And I, you know, I, I had to fight, fight my way to stay in this league, and that's that's what you got to do, especially if you're not a first round pick. No, no, no offense against first round picks, but if you're an underdog in this league, you gotta, you gotta grind and, and scratch each and every day, each and every play, you know, to stay in this league, cause. Um, it's very competitive, but you know I always been a dog. I always been a dog. You know who else called him a dog wolf? 
Rob Moore, the yeah. Titans receivers coach. Yeah. Our guy, Rob Moore, played for the Cardinals, was on our broadcast team for a while, and I had a chance to talk with him. He immediately mentioned Malcolm Butler. And I know after you signed or after last season, you tweeted out, I balled at the age of 30. I think I can ball harder at 31. <laughs> so, I mean, how much do you have left? Because I know that was a question probably a lot of the haters out there had to say on social media, right? Yeah, yeah, man. I, I still got a lot in the tank, man. You know, um, I didn't, you know, I I haven't had much injuries, a lot of injuries and stuff like that. But you know, you know, the, your body gonna talk to you. But I'm very confident in my skill set. I'm very confident um, at, uh, of my performance on the field. So we'll see how it go. But I'm confident. I'm gonna back that up. Because you had a career high four picks last season. You also had a career high 100 tackles. Mm. I mean, a corner with 100 tackles. I mean, what what do you attribute that to, Malcolm? Some someone right over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they were so rolling you up a lot. <laughs> uh, how about Derrick Henry, though? Are you ready to tackle Derrick Henry, your former teammate? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to tackle whoever, <laughs> man. I'm ready to tackle whoever, whoever comes my way, man. Hey, on that note, right there, Malcolm, you've got one technique. You got one technique that you'd like to use on one play. <laughs> what technique are you going to use? What what would you what what technique would you choose? If you had one play. With Derrick Henry? No, no, not Derrick oh. Henry. I'm talking about man. I, I'm talking about a zone. I'm talking about any type of technique in the secondary that you would employ on a third and obvious pass situation. Um, Man, I've, I, you know, I'm going to have to go with man to man. I'm going to have to go to man to man. What kind of man? Press man, would you you want to walk up? You want to jam him? You want to play I'm, off? I'm walking up, man. <laughs> I'm walking up there, man. Why, okay, why why do you why does that appeal to you? What's talking about like walking up there? Yes, because um, you're giving them a chance. You really like giving them space, and you know, uh, uh, inning, a, a, a slanted go. You know, what I mean, you is. I don't know. I just want to eat that space up right there. I just want to be close as I can. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go there. How about week one? We said Derrick Henry. What about Julio Jones? Have you gone against Julio Jones before, and what do you think is going to be most important in that matchup? Um, You know, I went against Julio Jones over there back in Antonio Brown. You know, I, I didn't. You know, I didn't play uh, played against a lot of good wide receivers in this league, and obviously, you know, I used to go head to head with AJ Brown, uh, but. You know, it's, it, it is what it is. You know, um, September the 12th, you know, it's going to tell it all. But, you know, I'm here to compete. I'm here to do anything to help the team win. I know those are good players, but I think we got good players too. I think I'm a good player, and we'll see how it go down. Malcolm, I got to tell you, man, I got so much respect for you because I, I share a coach. Uh, Bill Belichick, of course, in 1992-93, he coached the Cleveland Browns. I absolutely, I, I need to tell you this, I absolutely loved playing for him because he was a guy that basically was like, you know what, I'm going to leave you alone. You just do your job, and I'm going to leave you alone. What are your thoughts on Bill Belichick? Man, I, I, I got so much respect for, you know, Bill Belichick. You know, I know things that – um you know, they didn't work out the way that, you know, it posed to win at, at the end. But I got so much respect for him, man. He's a, he's a great coach. You know, it's like everything that he says is right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can't sometimes be like, I don't like what he's saying, but he's right. <laughs> right. And uh, I seen this guy do some things that um, that I that, that I never seen coaches do before. You know, spraying water on the on the on the, on the snapper's hands, wide field goal. 
uh, making the uh, DBs take their hands up with tennis balls. He, he's a great coach. I got a number of great things to say about Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft and their organization, and I appreciate him for giving me an opportunity. What was the one with the hands and the tennis balls? Explain that real quick. Yeah, man, uh, I guess we was grabbing one day, and he said, we're going to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, you had to hold the tennis balls. No, he taped them in your hand. <laughs> he taped them on <laughs> What? <laughs> Oh my goodness, man! That's next level. That's that's Coach Belichick. There's no that's doubt that about is. that, Paulie. Oh my goodness! All right, Malcolm Butler, our guest, wrapping it up here on the Big Red Rage. So, from one dog to another, tell us what you've seen out of Robert Alford so far, because the Cardinals are searching for that corner opposite of you, Malcolm. Um, you know, uh, Robert Alford. He's he's a he's a good he's a good player, man. He's a he's a um, he's a dog. I think he's a dog. You know, he's a, a a small school guy. You know, that had to work his way up. Um, I know he uh, battled a few injuries and stuff like that, but he's a he's a um, he's a good player. Made some good plays today. Um, you know he helped me out when I asked him questions, and you know Byron Murphy, we got him too. So we all working together. Uh, it's a collective um, it's a collective group, and you know if we all on the same page, you know we should look good. How do you like playing for Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, right now? I I, I like playing for Vance. You know. Um, he he liked to run multiple um, defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a he's a good coach, man. He's a good coach, players coach. Let me give you one stat from last year. You played on a defense, the Tennessee Titans, that was bottom three in sacks. The Arizona Cardinals, Ron Wolfley, were top five. Yes. Number four total sacks, 48 sacks. Here we go. What can that do? That sort of pass rush, what can that do for you and the DBs, Malcolm? Um, quick passes, man. Um bad throws into our hands you know pass rushes everything you can have a good corner a great corner a hall of fame corner you ain't got no pass rush you know you can't cover that long so um it, it should help out a lot you know this might date me a little bit right here malcolm okay i'm just here we saying go. all right yep. but do you know what cluing is do you know what cluing is um is it a football term yeah it's peeking into the backfield uh, cluing it's like look it's what you did on that unbelievable play in the super bowl you were looking more at the quarterback right you were peeking what do you call that when you peek inside um i just you got a term for that i don't know okay it's, it's just a technique bro it's just something that i the game was on the line and you know i'm, I'm trying to make a play I, but i told myself if, if it's a run you know, they got to handle that. If it's a pass, I'm going to handle this. And, you know, I just seen them keep looking, and the wide receiver stepped yeah. outside, and I just broke. So, so are, are you – I mean, do you pass your knowledge along to a Byron Murphy? Do you talk to him about that? Um, Not really somewhat. You know, I just try to – I try to lead by example. Yeah. And, like, like my coach always told me, you either got it or you don't. Last question for me. For Malcolm Butler, the two young guys, the two draft picks, you got the fourth rounder, Marco Wilson, you got the sixth rounder, Tay Gowan. Man, those guys look good out there. They look good, at least in terms of their size, the athleticism. What have you seen so far from the young guys? Um, we, you know, we usually don't talk about other players, but I I really like Marco, man. He's uh, He got nice size. He quick. He fast. Um, got nice speed. He, he, he can jump, run. He very athletic, man, and if he just grind it out and – you know, work hard, you know, he'll be, he'll be a good player in this league. And the same for Xavier, big guy. He can move, drop, curl, flat, drop. You know, he can blitz. Uh, guys got talent. And uh, I think uh, the Cardinals did a good job picking those guys up.
It's an amazing thing because I hear you say, you know, we don't talk about players right there. And you know what's amazing about that? Back when I played those rookies, we wouldn't talk to the rookies. That's right. <laughs> How dare I ask about rookies? You're that's right. Exactly that, right. That's exactly right. That's old school. I, okay. Malcolm, are you chopping it up with these guys or are you just kind of keeping your distance oh, with the young guys? They're getting the donuts is what they're doing. I, I say something here now. I'll be talking to Robert Alfred, man. These, these kids born in 2000, man. <laughs> that's right. Oh, buddy. All right, Malcolm, man, we've enjoyed it. Thank, thank you. Thank you, bud. All right, thank you. There you go. Malcolm Butler joining us on the Big Red Rage. Wolf, what if I told you his coverage grade last year for Tennessee would have led the Arizona Cardinals a year ago. Think about that. Would not have been a surprise, Paul. And think about the fact he has a dozen playoff games under his belt. So if the Cardinals get where they want to go to the postseason, there's a guy who's been there and done that. How many tackles did he have? He had 100 exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Next. And next on the Big Red Rage, we'll continue with our Cards Camp Week 1 edition of Cards Camp Edition, the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Shotgun snap to Kyler Murray from the pocket. Deep pass. Left side going for Hopkins. One-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins was blanketed by a jet, but it don't matter. Hopkins makes the catch, and the Cardinals may have just put the Jets to sleep. Oh, can you taste it right there, baby? The 50-50 ball to the left of Kyler Murray and a perfect pass. D-Hop. That is big time with a one-hand snag. Perhaps the best all-around receiver in the NFL. Great hands, great vision, great speed. Playmaker, make a play. That's exactly what happened right there. That was a key play in the Week 5 win at the Jets, 30-10. Cardinals get the win. Kyla Murray ended up your NFC Offensive Player of the Week, went 27-37, 380, had that touchdown there, the 37-yard strike, a passer rating of 104. He had a rushing touchdown as well. Kyler was out there today. Same with DeAndre Hopkins. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley after day one of Cardinals camp, at least out on that field. And Wolf, your takeaways from Malcolm Butler. Uh, you know, how about the props for Coach Belichick? One thing you guys have in common, you both played for Belichick. And in his words, it was a great way to say, he said, you know what? You don't always like what he's telling you, <laughs> but he's always right. Yeah. Quote, end quote. That's what he said about Belichick. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's always right, Paul. I wouldn't say that. But he's got his opinions. There's no doubt about it. Listen, it's interesting you start there because that's exactly my number one takeaway from that talk that we had with Malcolm Butler because of Bill Belichick. What does it say when a player really gets along with Bill Belichick and respects him? Number one, he's a dog. That's not a surprise. That's exactly what Malcolm Butler is. He's a dog, meaning he's... He's a self-motivated individual. He's a guy that a coach doesn't need to ride. He's a guy that you don't have to berate in order to get him to do his job. He's a self-motivated, self-starter type guy. He's a dog. Not only that, he takes pride in doing his job. It tells me that that's who Malcolm Butler is. He takes a lot of pride in that, Polly. He lives for the details because Bill Belichick is a detail guy walk in and talk about some guy in a certain situation, a down in distance, walk into the room and say, if you get this look, this is what is going to happen. 
on a single play, Bill Belichick would walk in and tell you exactly what was going to happen there. The details are important to Bill, and the details are important to Malcolm Butler. And he doesn't need words of affirmation. If you get along with Bill Belichick and you like playing for Bill Belichick and you respect him the way Malcolm Butler said, you know what? You don't need words of affirmation because you don't get it from Bill. I love his story of how he made the Patriots, that along with the draft class, they had a rookie minicamp, and there were 40 undrafted guys they brought in. How about two, that? Two made the team, one of which is Malcolm Butler, and here he is as an Arizona Cardinal nine seasons later at 31 years of age with a Super Bowl ring, and there he's going to be in week one going against maybe their number one receiving duo in the NFL, at least if you believe some of the headlines you saw in the offseason with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Yeah. You're, and so now the Cardinals' question is, all right, how did they get to that point? How did they get to the point where the Titans are going to enter that week one game having led the NFL since 2019 in touchdowns and plays of 50-plus yards and red zone TD percentage and rushing touchdowns? That's the sort of juggernaut this Titans offense has been the last two years. And Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that. The next step, not just for his offense, but for his quarterback, Kyler Murray. You know, I think more than anything, just consistency um, in everything we do. You know, he obviously got banged up a little bit um, last year, and and that was tough, but he battled through. And um, I just think all of us as an offense, coaching staff, um, have to continue to be consistent in everything we do. And, And if he does that, he'll continue to get better. What do you think, Wolf? Do you have a checklist on Kyler, what you'd really like to see this season? Yeah, Paulie, honestly, I, I would. We, of course, you'd like to see him get more consistent. There's no doubt about that. But I think, Paul, there's a, a big tangible area and an intangible area where I want to see him get better. The intangible is something that he's already been talking about. This offseason, it's one of the things that really encourages me. The fact that Kyler Murray has already identified he needs to be a better leader. Paul, that is so important that he's able to actually point at that and say, this is what I need to do in order to get better. I need to be a better leader because once you can identify it as a human being, forget about being a professional football player, forget about being a franchise quarterback, as a human being, if you can point to the obstacle in your way, that need that you need to be able to overcome in order to get better, um, man, that is so important. And he's already identified leadership as that obstacle leadership is where he thinks he needs to get better and he is right that is the intangible he's got to get better he's got to be the face of the franchise always he's got to be talking to his players talking to his line talking to his wide receivers talking to the running backs talking to the coaches on the sideline talking to them and encouraging them in regard to what they're doing on the field some of the plays that they're running the adjustments they need to make he's got to be talking Talking a little bit more, he's got to be the face of the franchise on and off the field. Leadership is the intangible. The tangible is just reading defenses better and becoming more sure in his reads, going through his progressions, and making good decisions. That's the tangible. Because remember what Sam Acho told us, who's now one of the ESPN analysts, and congrats to Sam, the former Cardinals outside linebacker, and he told us this offseason here on the Big Red Rage, that's what teams will do. It's exactly what they did with Russell Wilson, force him to go through his reads, keep him in the pocket. Yes. Make him beat him with what's between his ears to be able to read and react and diagnose a defense. So, you have that. And, and, and look, well, something was wrong. 
down the stretch a year yeah, ago. The right. X's and O's, maybe, okay, we can talk about that. But when you come out in Week 16 with the playoffs on the line at home against the Niners team with third-string quarterback C.J. Beathard and a third-string running back named Jeff Wilson who ran for a buck 83, yeah. you know, that's where leadership – to me, comes in to play, and you prevent that sort of letdown. You know, when when you lead the league in penalties, for example. In fact, Cliff Kingsbury uh, was lamenting that here today. Listen up. Offensively, we led the league in stalled drives due to penalty, and, and that's. I think we're a top six offense, and and um, had we not done that, who knows what it could have been? You know, that, that's a lot of, of drives to give up throughout an NFL season. Uh, with limited possession. So there, there's no question. There's little things we happen every day that we got to get better at. And look, the coaches take the blame, and Cliff Kingsbury did the same. But if it's a pre-snap penalty, to what degree is that on the players, Wolf? Yeah, Paul, first of all, it's all on the players. It is. It, I don't care. You get hit for a holding call, that's on you. All right? So yeah, the offsides – discipline is so important it's interesting because we started this beautiful part of the program with you asking me you know what's uh bill belichick and you know malcolm butler what 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 does that say about malcolm butler we were talking about this very thing uh the other thing that i forgot to mention is bill belichick loved guys paulie that didn't commit penalties Guys guys that were disciplined, guys that didn't go out there and take shortcuts, put himself in a bad position where suddenly they had to hold as an offensive lineman or as a DB, a, a bad technique using a jam technique and then missing on that jam and then having to hold and get a penalty on that. He, he liked guys that didn't get flagged for penalties, guys that were disciplined. And it's interesting because nobody knows that better than Cliff Kingsbury. I think Cliff this year, if there's one area I think he's really going to improve with, it's going to be the, hey, listen, you know what? Your playing time is going to be greatly impacted if you commit penalties. You know, I did this Seattle thing earlier in the week. I looked at one of the game summaries, Cardinals at Seattle, that game they lost. And remember, there was the brutal Dre Kirkpatrick flagrant foul penalty where they had a stop on third yes, and 16. Remember yes. that? Continue to drive. In addition to that, there were four false start penalties against the Cardinals' offensive line. Whoa! Yep, yep. There were no fans in the stands. Yep. The, the place false start field was empty, and the Cardinals committed four false starts as an offensive line in the game. That's the kind of inexcusable stuff. Brutal ball. And by the way, when they bring in a Rodney Hudson, and he wasn't flagged for a single penalty in 2020, <laughs> and the man hasn't had a false start. Write this it's down. Impossible. And knock on wood, since 2016, the new starting center, two-time Pro Bowler Rodney Hudson, has not been flagged for a false start since 2016. There's a cause and effect there when Steve Kime made that trade. We wrap up the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert next. It's a run play right side. Big hole Edmonds, 25-20, 10-5 touchdown. The inside zone being run, and Chase Edmonds found the hole. It's to the house, baby. Gives it to Connor, sweeps the left side, got a block at the 10. Connor to the 5, Connor to the goal line, and in for the touchdown. James Connor. Explosive. Just the weapons that we have. Chase doing his thing already, and so, you know, watching film, I'm like, man, this dude, he can he can ball, and I want to, you know, learn from him, be a part of it, get to work with him. You know, ain't no telling. I can't predict nothing, but I know what I can guarantee is I'm going to come in here and work day in and day out, put my head down and grind, and, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. So, 17-game season, I'm looking forward to it. And it's James Conner on the Cardinals. 
array of weapons, the offensive potential 2021, a two-headed running game, perhaps we'll see. That's all being decided over the next month. Cardinals camp is underway. We're wrapping up this edition, Cards Camp edition of Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. Special thanks again to our guest earlier, Malcolm Butler. Wolf, when you look at the offensive side of the ball, and I know you had your eyes in the backfield today. Number six, <laughs> James Conner. And the first takeaway is, okay, there's the big back. The big back the Cardinals now have at their disposal, whether it's third and short, whether it's inside the five. You just you can't help but daydream as you're watching Cardinals practice, even though the pads aren't going to come on for another half week or so. But just thinking of the possibilities with a big back like James Conner. Yeah, six one two thirty two. Paul. How's that mm. taste right there? Mm. You know what? I love that. I love the fact that they're going to run some inside zone with him. Hopefully they're going to run some tackle zone with him as well. But I, I think in, in terms of training camp in some of the position battles, I do believe James Conner and Chase Edmonds. Yes, you're going to use both these guys. We know that. But I wonder what that rep ratio is going to be, Paul. Is it going to be more Chase Edmonds? Is it going to be more James Conner? You and I have been talking about this. I don't know what that rep ratio is going to be, but I think as the offense evolves and as preseason unfolds, I think we'll get a better idea. Could it be? that Chase Edmonds is your guy between the 20s, and then here comes James Conner once you get into the red zone. Could it be that Chase Edmonds gets the bulk of the touches the first three quarters, and then the fourth quarter when you want to wear down a defense, especially if you have a lead, then you bring in the big bruising back, James Conner. Yeah, Polly, it could be something that elementary. It could, but it's going to be interesting to see the way they divvy that up. And not only that, when James Conner is in there, Polly, what is the run-pass ratio? When Chase Edmonds is in there, Paulie, what is the run-pass ratio? Because this is what defensive coordinators do. They just break you down by, by personnel groups, by formation, Paul. They break everything down. And what kind of tendencies do you have? Because everyone's looking for tendencies. That's going to be an interesting tendency to watch. What do they do when James Conner's in there? And what do they do when Chase Edmonds in there? And how much does that differ from each other? Cliff Kingsbury was asked. Uh, in fact, I followed up and asked him today just about some of those position battles and, you know, where does he think those are going to play out and what, and what questions does he want answered by the time he gets to the end of camp? Here's the head coach. Every position to me each year is, is a new battle, you know, to see who steps up, who, who um, kind of grabs the, the starting role and runs with it. We got some great young guys who we think um, have a chance to really step up and, and uh, you know, make the roster and, and make an impact. But every position group this year has been upgraded, and so I'm interested to see how it kind of plays out. Beyond running back, Wolf, where are you looking? Right guard, the corner opposite Malcolm Butler. Would you say those are the next biggest and best position battles? Yeah, for me right now, I don't think there's going to be a position battle, the corner opposite of Malcolm Butler, if Robert Alford is healthy. If he's healthy, I don't think there's anything such as a position battle. That's just me, Paul. Even watching him today make plays. He was, once again, really, really good. Now, granted, it's practice. I understand that, but um, very very impressed with Robert Alford. I would have to say right guard. Right guard beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think Justin Murray, of course, Brian Winters, the guy they signed from the Buffalo Bills and brought him in, a grizzled veteran, a guy that's a mauler, a guy that's a slugfest guy at right guard. I think that is going to be a big battle with Justin Murray. Maybe 
Maybe you throw in Josh Jones into the mix, even though I still think he's more a candidate to play on the edge, play left tackle, play right tackle, somewhere in there. Josh Jones is a guy that maybe they want to get him reps and they move him in at that right guard. I don't know. Defensively, how much is Lucky Fotu going to play? Or how much is Rashard Lawrence going to play, Paulie? What is their rep ratio going to be like right there? This is These are all things. It's not just about who starts and who doesn't start. It's also who who gets the vast majority of reps as well so it's playing time that a lot of these guys are competing and having said that it made me think of today and just watching AJ Green go out there and run Paulie, I listen, we're not going to say anything about AJ Green. This is a guy that has proven he is one of the best receivers in the National Football League when he is healthy. He's done that for years. He is getting a little long in the tooth, but I will tell you right now, I saw this guy and I was shocked at how well he ran. <laughs> That's what everyone told you. He's slowing down, he's slowing down. You know what, Paul? I didn't see a guy slowing down. I don't know about you, but I saw him run today. And guess what? There is a need for A.J. Green on this team. DeAndre Hopkins had 160 targets. He had 34% of the receiving yards in that receiving room, which is the highest percentage of any receiver on any team. DeAndre Hopkins lined up on the left side, according to Next Gen Stats, 91% of the time. So Cliff Kingsbury needs some more options at receiver. He needs guys who will get yards after catch. And other than DeAndre Hopkins and Chase Edmonds, there was very little of that last year. No, Polly, you're right about that. Again, you have to wonder how much no huddle will they go with this year, Cliff Kingsbury? What about that off-tempo with no movement whatsoever, right? Spreading out DeAndre Hopkins. You're going to move him around. You're going to put him on the right side of the formation as opposed to the left side. What are you going to do and how much 10 personnel, how much four wide will we see? Yeah, these are all just some of the questions. We have three weeks of practice at camp. You have three preseason games, and we're just getting started. Thanks again to Malcolm Butler, CB1 for the Arizona Cardinals, Jim Almohandro, executive producer, technical director Jeff Darch, Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. been listening to the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert are you santan ford state farm talk to an agent today at 800 state farm and by arizona cardinals podcasts visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts this has been an exclusive presentation of the arizona cardinals football club